Welcome into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Episode 16 of Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. And boy, oh boy, am I giddy for this week's episode. Buckle up. Let me... Let me read the text you sent me last night. At like 12.15 in the morning. I was tasked, we decided to do a style, we'll get into this in a second, we decided to do a style podcast, and uh, I had to figure it out last night after I got off work, so I stopped at the ye old bottle shop by my house, and was chatting with, with Barkeep, and was like, what should we do, what should we do? We were talking about doing something kind of malty, but I didn't want to do German, because we had done Oktoberfest already, and then, yeah... This is the text I received at 12, 11 a.m. Normally, I am awake, but I had fallen asleep oh, at this point. I was wondering. Uh, buckle up, big boy. Tomorrow's going to be a wild ride. <laughs> first of all, you are the first human on Earth to call me big boy. <laughs> I almost spelt it B-O-I, too, but I opted not to. <laughs> <laughs> you could have said thick boy. T-H-I-C-C-B-O-I, if you wanted to be really hip Oh, right, right. That was the text I got. And I saw it in the morning and went, I don't know what that means, but I have an assumption that I know what it means. And uh, I was correct in my assumption. So this is going to be another style podcast. This will be our fourth style podcast. We have done West Coast IPA. We have done Fresh Hop IPA. And we have done Oktoberfest. So for number four, our style, bourbon barrel aged stouts. Yeah, I figured it was time to do something big. This is everything to me. This is probably my favorite style of beer. If I see a bourbon barrel aged stout on the menu, I will definitely get it. If it's a, if it's a new one that I, or actually, frankly, if it's an old one, I'll get it. So I'm very excited to get to it. We've got one bottle that's already been opened. We've got little snifters here that are already full. We're letting it get the get the air in there. We're letting it age a little bit longer. Although Patrick already stole a sip, which a little jealous of, and um, we will get to that. But first, thank you for listening. You can find us on Radio.com, which is now fixed. You can find us on Radio.com. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Google Play. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on TennyToTheFan.com. Please subscribe, rate, review, all of those things. We really appreciate all that. We've gotten some nice comments about it, so we appreciate you. And uh, you can download all the podcasts that we've done from all of those places. They're all there, available for listening, for download. And uh, you can very easily find them there. All 15 of our prior episodes, including episode 14, OG Beers, got uploaded twice, even though I told it to cancel one of the uploads. So you can listen to that one twice <laughs> if you want. Um, so that's uh, that's where you can find us also on social media. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. Patrick's at PDD085 on Instagram. And then uh, that's where we tweet out the podcast every single Thursday at 4 o'clock. So that's number one. And then number two, we always like to do this at the start of the podcast, your week in beer. So I'll let you start. You had a bit more of an uh, experience-filled week than I did. So my wife was literally working all weekend, so I was just kind of a vegetable. But you got to uh, go to a Timbers game. Yeah, yeah. My week in beer is 
pretty straightforward, but Sunday I was fortunate enough to go to the uh, Timbers playoff game, and I had a funny situation. So we ended up getting there a lot earlier than we normally do. Like, a lot of time we get there kind of right at the National Anthem and then kick off, and so I basically have one beer during the first half and one beer during the second half and just kind of call it there. Uh, but we got there a little earlier, so I ended up having three beers. Um, and they had Culminations Phaedrus on draft, which is a quick go-to for me. So mm-hmm. that was easy. Makes that decision fine. Um, I drank one. It was great. And then my buddy went to go grab me another one. And he came back and he handed it to me. And he has this, like, stank eye look on his face. And he's like, do you like this? And I was like, yeah, man. It's Phaedrus. I drink this beer all the time. And he was like, okay, dude. It tastes weird. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so I grabbed it and I tasted it. And I was like, oh, God, what is this? There's no way I got a Phaedrus the second time. So what did they? They must, they must have been pouring something else on draft um, that when someone said, is this a culmination? Yeah, that's a culmination. And they just handed it to my buddy. It was not the Phaedrus. And it was so foul. Like there was this weird like fruit infection thing going on in it. That I couldn't understand. It was like a little oxidized and something was just not not working in this IPA that I got like a third of the way through it and threw it away. Wow. Yeah, I couldn't do it. That's At tough. 10 50 a beer. It's tough to waste a beer. Well, I was just not gonna do it. I was like, this is disgusting. And, and then and I it went... was and it was from one of the like craft beer stands. Mm-hmm. It was from Axe and Rose, yeah. Huh. Which which they always have like like volunteers. Like I think it was like the Canby Cougars. Like volleyball team and parents were there or something like that pouring beers and high stuff like that. Serving, serving beer? No, no, no. But like their parents and coaches and things like that. High schoolers serving beer. And they'll and all they'll, right. <laughs> and they'll see what beers are like popular, so they'll like pour a couple extras, so that you're not waiting forever. And I think they just grabbed the wrong one. So whoever's other beer that was, I apologize, but it was god awful <laughs> <laughs> that I threw away two thirds of a ten dollar and fifty cent beer because I said no. And then I went and ordered a culmination, and I watched them pour it, and I tasted it, and it tasted like Phaedrus. So I don't know what happened. They, they gave you the wrong one. I know, and I know the other breweries that were on the list, and I'm not going to mention them for their sake. Okay. Because it was disgusting. Well, maybe I can ask you a little bit later. So my weekend beer, it, it wasn't crazy. Like I said, my wife worked literally all weekend. She was at the office for 12 hours, both Saturday and Sunday. And I went and visited her one day. And we went out to get a quick bite. But generally, I was a vegetable. I just sat on the couch at home and watched a lot of sports. <laughs> I watched a lot of college football, watched the Timbers, watched the NFL, watched the Blazers. I, I did not leave the couch all weekend. But what I did do is I went grocery shopping because I'm a responsible adult. And when I went and I was looking for my beer to have on Sunday, I like to have a couple of unique beers when I'm watching the NFL on Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. And... I decided for the first time to try Modern Times. The Californians. Who also have one here in Portland now. I've seen Modern Times everywhere. I've heard you mention them before. Mm-hmm. They're talked about on beer circles a lot. Mm-hmm. And I had never tried any of their beers. So I got two cans. I got the Black House Stout and the Blazing World Amber. And uh, I was a big fan of both of them. I really Good. was. I know they make a lot of hazies, and I'm not a big hazy guy, so I, I avoided them. There were a lot of cans 
for sale. And I picked those two for obvious reasons. I like malt-driven beers more. And I was a big fan of the stout and really liked the amber, too. The amber was uh, was unique to me. It wasn't just your average amber. I I've, enjoyed it. I've been a fan of modern times. Um, I remember when they moved in, especially because they took over at the Common Spot, which was such a great brewery and near dear to a lot of us nerds' hearts. Uh, everybody was like, oh, man, these Californians ruining it for the rest of us. They make good beer. They make really good beer. And you did mention, yeah, they make a lot of hazies when it comes to the IPAs. But I've had some that are kind of not quite full-on hazies, like as, as I like to reference, like the Block 15 style of haze, just more of an unfiltered. Uh, I've had some of those, and they're really good. And I know people that really enjoy hazies uh, are very, are for the most part, usually very happy with modern times. So that was my weekend in beer. It wasn't overly exciting, just a, a small little new experience that I had while watching some football. You should go to modern times. They have, a, they have a giant Randy Savage pinata in the, uh, in the, in the tasting room. We should go to modern times. Sure part of the podcast why not sure we got there's tons of places to there's go tons of places to go <laughs> we're gonna have we're gonna have a lot of episodes coming up we got a we got a lot of, a lot of content to provide tons of places we could go in and grab a beer all right so bourbon barrel aged stouts the topic of the podcast today the style of the podcast today and this is so up my alley it's not even funny i i, I already mentioned it. this is my go-to beer if i go to any place i love it there's something about this beer. So I've always liked dark beers. I've always trended towards dark beers. We talked about that at nauseum earlier in, in the podcast, early episodes, the type of beer I like to drink and why I like to drink it. But when I was first introduced to bourbon barrel aged stouts, which was a decent time later after I learned of like Samuel Smith's and that kind of stuff was eye opening for me because not only was it the malty roasty flavor that I liked, but it gave me that sweet little extra bit from the bourbon and i like i happen to like bourbon too so it helps but um it gives you that extra flavor profile of sweet that isn't always in stouts and that combination together to me it was like peanut butter and chocolate the first time i tried that it was like oh my god (laughs) that's the same kind of experience i had having a bourbon barrel aged stout was oh my god this goes so well together Please inject this into my veins. Well, don't do that. I'll die. But please never stop giving this to me. <laughs> well, when I was trying to, I was trying to think of what we should do today, and I wanted to get into something complex, um, and not just like a simple style. You know, I was thinking I didn't want to do a German, as I said earlier. I didn't want to do a German style because we had done Oktoberfest. But I'm trying to think of something malt driven. I wanted to do an Irish stout for a minute, and then I couldn't really find some examples that weren't just Guinness in the stores, you know? So then this kind of popped up to me, but the reason I chose the bourbon barrel Imperial stouts stout route was instead of doing like barrel aged sours, I thought that was a little too far off the deep end in terms of complexity. Cause I'm going to use one of our favorite words. This is one of the more approachable complex styles. And I think that do you really think so? I do think so. Yeah, in terms of like barrel aging, because I, I, oh, that that might be true. Because I have a lot of people who I'm like, oh, you'll like this, and they're like, this is this tastes good, but I can have only two sips. Right, but I mean, I think I think for for long conditioning, again to say barrel aged beers, I mean, I think stouts, which is probably why we see most of them, are probably the most approachable drinking. Which is why I kind of went this route instead of getting too crazy. So you're saying crazy later. So you're saying the stout is the approachable one, mm-hmm. or the bourbon barrel aged stout is the approachable one. I'm saying I'm I'm saying in terms of like barrel aging, bourbon barrel 
stout is probably the most approachable. Okay. I guess I, I, I could see that because I've had other barrel-aged beers, and yet they are... Whew, yeah, insane yeah, so, flavor wise. Yeah, like if we're doing like I wouldn't didn't want to do like a a barrel aged barley wine. Like a, I don't like barley wines, and I don't want to vomit before two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> um, so I went with uh, so I went with this. Well, at some point we're gonna have to do barley wines. Oof! Whoa, God! And we're gonna have to pick a time to record that that is not in the afternoon. God, <laughs> we're gonna need to be able to sit on the couch afterwards and just watch Star Wars or something. <laughs> Ooh, I could do that. I guess I know. Let's let's make it let's make it better for you. All right, so all that right. you want to do that, we'll do that at some point too. But that is interesting that you say it's more approachable. So, the thing with bourbon barrel aged stouts to me is you're right; they're very complex. Mm-hmm. It's we we have had a lot of beers on this on this podcast so far that when I take a sip, I say, "Oh, I can taste this flavor. Oh, the back end's this, but it's smooth in the middle." And there's not, to me, the smooth is not necessarily flavor. It's just, ah, oh, it goes down easy. When you drink a bourbon barrel aged stout, it's, oh, there's a flavor. Oh, there's a flavor. Oh, 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 oh. And you just keep like, it's an adventure the entire sip. And every sip is different too. It's not going to be the same every single time. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons I love them so much is because it's, it's not easy drinking. I want to enjoy the flavor every time I take the sip and notice something different. And that's what I like about this style of beer a lot. I also think uh, I think temperature is a big deal with this style. Um, I did bring this in cold, uh, and uh, as we continue to do this podcast, because it's not a beer that I'm going to like slam like an IPA or something, uh, we will start to see it warm up a little bit, and a lot more kind of flavors will come out from it. Um, I suppose I have not mentioned uh, the beer we're actually drinking right oh, yeah. now, so that would be nice. That's important. Um, one of my fa- one of my f- favorite beers that this brewery makes and when i think of bourbon barrel aged beers these guys are near the top of the list for me uh we're drinking just the regular uh barrel aged dark star from fremont the 2018 version that kind of just hit the shelves uh this is the spice wars edition um so this guy right here has a bunch of let's see let's see let's see cinnamon nutmeg allspice ginger vanilla and clove um I like this because it's just a little different than all the other ones you normally get. They do a coffee edition and a regular edition, but uh, I kind of felt the Spice Wars was going to be fun. And this is oatmeal stout. Mm -hmm. It says here on the side, Imperial Oatmeal Stout with spices. That's interesting. I didn't, I hadn't read the label yet when we Mm -hmm. started because I've now taken two sips because I'm also a cheater, but the... When you say spices, I was that was part of the reason when I first took the sip, I was like, whoa. Because I, I, I know what to expect with a bourbon barrel-aged stout, mm-hmm. and it still took me off guard Yeah, that it went even deeper into the flavor. It doesn't hide the, co- or the, the chocolate notes. It doesn't hide the oatmeal kind of consistency. It just elevates them, and it's almost like cooking, right? You got to season your food. It elevates the food. You can still eat it unseasoned. It just won't taste as good. I kind of feel like that's what the spices are doing to this beer right now. Yeah, I think Fremont does some of the best barrel-aged stuff around. Um, Dark Star, B-Bomb. There's another one they do. Rusty Nail, I think, is another series they do. I think I've had that one. And uh, and I just think they do all-around great stuff. And what kind of drew me to this was I I remember buying one of these last year and putting it in my cellar. 
to to kind of age to put some age on it and then i was like oh yeah i got a 2017 so i should probably buy a 2018 to add to the collection so when i put grabbed a 2018 i put it on the shelf i was like what's that about? do i have two 17s and i pulled it aside and i have a 2016 as well so i'm really excited right now i have a 2016 17 and 18 of spice wars i will most likely get a 19 and a 20 and then i'll have a five-year vertical and that will be crazy how do you Side question, not related to the podcast, although maybe it is. Um, how how do you drink when you when you collect them? When mm. do you decide now it's time to drink it? Uh, sometimes it's a shot in the dark. Um, I think you got to understand kind of what what you're working with. Um, you know, like things like sours. If you age them too long, if they're fruit forward, the fruit will eventually kind of fall off, but the funk will get a little bigger and badder because of the just the continual yeast eating at the beer. Um but I think with the barrel aged stuff, I think you got to worry about a little bit about oxidization just because there is some some room for oxygen in the bottle. Um it's kind of just it can be a shoot in the dark. I think it can be an educated shot in the dark. Um I'd be in I'm really interested to see in 2 years where the spices are in the 2016 because that's probably what might fall off but sometimes the vanilla becomes like more pungent through everything like the cinnamon and the cloves will fall off and the vanilla just keeps riding high and gets real big so it's kind of a shot and when you do a 5 year vertical you got to kind of you got to kind of be okay with maybe one of these beers is not very good well okay so again for the for the novice I don't and I, I don't know this I'm not asking this just to, for the benefit of you the listener what do you mean when you say five-year vertical? Does that mean oh. that you drink them all? Yeah, we'll we'll take all five of them and crack them all open and then and try taste them each all. one and compare them to each other. Because that's what that's kind of what I was asking is. So you got sixteen. Mm-hmm. Why are you waiting until you get two thousand twenty? Uh, just because five is a right is a is a round number. So you're gonna get smashed that day. Well, I mean, it's not gonna be just me. That well, would be a pretty sad day. <laughs> <laughs> sad. Uh, no, yeah, so I'll get some people together. I, what, what what gave me the idea was, I mean, it, it didn't give me the idea, but I think this is the beer that I wanted to do it with because I, I really enjoy this beer. Um, the spices are really cool, and I'm a big Grateful Dead fan, and it's called Dark Star, so that always speaks to me. And uh, I saw once uh, Belmont Station was giving away, like you signed up for something or you bought tickets into a raffle, and they were giving away 10-year Abyss Vertical from the shoots where they had a bottle from every year for 10 years oh my god of that and i was just like you would die how do you do that that would be so good yeah and then i, I love a yeah and then i thought oh you know maybe i'll do something like that and i chose and i chose this guy so let's get into the style a little bit and th- this is going to be kind of where i'm going to let patrick shine on the podcast because he'll know more about this than me obviously but what does it take to make a bourbon barrel aged stout what are the processes? What is the time it takes? How expensive is it? How reasonable is it to make a bourbon barrel aged stout on a regular basis or should it be seasonal? Why are some of them seasonal but some of them last the entire time? What's the whole process that goes into the bourbon barrel aged? And I can pepper in questions as, as they go, but just kind of. I'll open the floor to you because I don't know anything about it and I freaking love the style. Yeah, well, there's there, there's a lot of factors that are going to be involved in this. You know, A, how great is your base beer? That's kind of where you're going to start. And B, where are you getting your bourbon barrels? 
I think those are probably your two your two biggest questions you got to ask when you start. Um, but also, the number one thing you have to know when you get into this is you are not going to see a return on this for at least a year. Most bourbon barrel aged beers um, are aged for at, for about twelve months minimum. I would say you can do some blending techniques, and I'll get into that later, but. I would say the majority of stuff is being aged for 12 months. And so that means you're making a beer, you're buying barrels, you're putting beer into barrels, and then those barrels are sitting for a year and you're making no money off it. So that includes the money it takes to make the beer, the cost of the barrel, and the cost of like rent basically where this barrel is being stored. And I imagine that it's more expensive at the base level to make a beer like this than to make your everyday IPA. Right, right, which is why when you see new breweries open up, new breweries tend to not get into bourbon barrel age till at least a year or two in just cuz you got to make some sort of profit before you start, you know, liquidating your assets. Um so basically how how you kind of start is is you make, you know, let's take Fremont for example, they're making this imperial oatmeal spice, oatmeal stout, and they're adding these spices. They put it in, they, they brew it, it's in the fermenter. Before you put it in the bright to carbonate, you're going to drop it into these bourbon barrels. Depends on how big a batch you want to do. If you want to do 30 barrels, you're going to have about literally 30 barrels to put beer in. Uh, and then you can let it sit. And then after a while, you can, you'll can you go back through and people will taste each barrel and kind of say, you know, how does this barrel taste? How does that barrel taste? Um, do we want to blend? Do we think it's good on its own? And again, we'll get to blending later. And then you'll pull them from the barrels, put them into a bright tank where they will clear up, naturally carbonate, and then you can either package, keg off, whatever you want to do. So that's kind of your process. Um, it, it to be honest with you, is pretty simple. Like, it's not that hard. Well, it sounds similar to making a regular beer with the added step of putting it into barrels for a yeah, year. Yeah, yep, and you, you got barrels, and you got, you know, you got the equipment, and you put in the barrel, and sure, there's a little extra work, but it's not that much more do difficult. Do you do breweries or... Maybe it's not a, a constant, but do some breweries reuse the barrels afterwards, or is it a one-barrel use and it's done? Excellent question, Mike. Um, most bourbon barrels are one-time use um, because they have because the oak is charred inside and it does have that bourbon that has been soaked into the wood for the length that this beer is going to sit into it and just kind of the way the beer will adapt to the barrel, it's going to pull all those flavors out of it. So to do it in a second gen, second use, uh, you're not going to get as much out of it as you want. So what happens to the barrels afterwards then? Uh, if they're if they're not usable, people sell them, get rid of them. Yeah, I mean that's kind of it. Another welcome to the expense of this, right? You just you basically you're you're kind of just trashing them. Basically, okay. Yeah, I know a lot of breweries will sell them, or you can repurpose them. You can make them into you know uh, tables or. Adirondack chairs or stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, you're really a one-time use. The really only times you get multiple uses is if you're using like neutral oak uh, for like sours. Sometimes you can reuse those. Where, Where is the biggest issue or concern in that process? Like where, where, where in that process to finishing this type of a beer do the most errors occur or is it most open to making a mistake is well, it in the barrels is it the transition from the barrel to the bright tank or i would say the biggest place you can the, the biggest things you can lose on this is a if your base beer isn't very good if your base beer is very not very good we're in trouble from the start number two it's also kind of how you how you are going to store these um especially if you have a barrel project um 
your your storage is a real thing. Um, these things attract fruit flies, so you have to keep that in mind, which is you can't really stop that. You're going to have to deal with that. I have now been into a couple of barrel rooms mm-hmm. after starting this podcast. Fruit flies everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, you just get used to them, and you if you think you hate them now... Trust me, you can hate them more. Uh, and then, so so where you store them is a big deal, just in terms of like temperature, and you know, a, a, you want to try and control the environment the best you can. Also, you want to keep these barrels away from anything that has any sort of closeness to any wild yeast strains, because what's interesting about the barrels um, when it comes to like yeast strains is like those wild yeast strains, like Britannomyces, used in like sours and funky stuff. They will literally seep out of the barrel, jump to another barrel, seep in, and inoculate the beer. And if you do that on one of these beers, that's you're in big trouble. You're in big. You'll dump it. It'll be it'll be terrible. And that's a lot of money to dump down the drain. And I think your last part is um, when you're taking it out is is your final product is do you want to blend? Um, Are you using different bourbon barrels? Are you using are some of them? aging longer than others and that's where you can get into a little bit of a pickle if you look at this on the side to use dark star for an example i was reading this last night and i thought it was really cool it says this year's release is a blend of 24 18 12 and eight month bourbon barrel aged dark star in seven to 12 year old kentucky bourbon barrels so what these guys are doing with this beer not everybody's doing this but what these guys are doing with this beer is they have made this they're using two-year-old dark star year and a half old dark star a year old dark star an eight month old dark star and taking samples from each barrel and tasting okay what do we like from this one what do we like from that one say okay so this 24 let's use if we're going to do a 30 barrel batch let's use six barrels from this 24 from this two-year-old batch let's use 15 from this year old batch let's throw in another six from the 18 month and that's where you get your blending techniques and to kind of pull together everything you well, want so that's interesting i I had no clue that you blended the different types to create this type of a beer. Mm-hmm. You can. You don't have to. You can. Right. But that's got to be really difficult, too. Mm-hmm. And I, I imagine that when you get to that point, it's hard to make this kind of a beer taste bad or wrong. But to make it taste top of the line elite is to get it perfectly mixed from all those different things. Mm-hmm. And. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm imagining that a two-year aged stout that's sitting in an older bourbon barrel is going to taste wildly different than the one-and-a-half-year aged stout sitting in a five-year bourbon barrel or something like that. 100%. And, but not in a bad way, but like one might have more notes of chocolate or one might have more notes of the bourbon or one might have more of the spices in case of this beer. That would be really fun, but also really terrifying Like to... If you're deciding how to mix those beers, not to mess it up at that point, because you're basically done. Yeah, yeah, I think and you I, waited a year plus mm-hmm. to just decide what to mix them. And and these guys have had such success with their barrel program that they're kind of able to do that. I would say there aren't many breweries, especially on the West Coast, that are able to do this kind of stuff. Um, I would say most people are they've crafted their recipe, they're putting it in, you know, seventy barrels of the same beer in the same bourbon barrels and then kind of putting it all back together. And it's all aged one year. All whatever. aged one year. Yep. That's the kind of the standard across the board. So, Not as many people are blending, but I wanted to kind of, Oh yeah. yeah that's yeah. why I picked this beer. Cause I knew it was like a really complex bourbon. Barrel do you know beer. off the top of your head, some other ones that are like this where they blend and they do kind of crazy things. 
Off the top of my head right now, not really. I mean, I imagine B-Bomb is blended, but that comes from the same guys. Um, nah, not off the top of my head. Okay. I was just curious. I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure I'll think of one, you know, 10 minutes after this podcast. I, I drink a ton of these, obviously, and it'd be cool to to know beyond just like trying to guess based on the flavors what has been mixed or what is just a stable recipe. Yeah. Uh, the other question I had based on these is why... Why is it every year they re-release the beer and it's different? What about what they're doing in the year-in and year-out process changes the flavor just a little bit so that they re-release it? Because sometimes you'll see breweries, they'll just have a bourbon barrel-aged stout. Mm -hmm. It's not a year. It's not dated. It's just here is our bourbon barrel-aged stout. Right. But you mentioned Abyss, right? They And Black Butte 25. They release both of those or 20, whatever the number is now. They release those every year at Deschutes at a certain time, and then they end it, and they go to the next year. You're talking Fremont here does the same thing. You have a 2016 at home, 2017 at home. This is 2018. Why do that versus just continuously make it and just have it so that you're always having a fresh batch ready? Well, I think I think there's two things. One, I guess marketing would be an easy <clears throat> Yeah, mar- three. We'll say marketing, leave it at that. Two, I, I would say that there is part of the, the aging process to see how this beer is going to evolve, how this beer is going to taste, you know, two, five years down the line. And then the number three is kind of, you know, remember this is, even though this is complex and this is barrel age, it's still beer in the sense of, you know, Conrad at Culmination is still tweaking Phaedrus to get it exactly where he wants it. So then Fremont's going to look at this and say, okay, here's what we liked about 17. What did we not like about 17? Okay, let's let's keep doctoring it. And so I think that's why it's worth putting out different years worth. Um, and, and also, you don't need a year-round bourbon barrel-aged stout. Make different ones. I think that's the route uh, to go. Yeah. Well, no, I'm sure about I, that. Yeah, I'm sure about that. Because, I mean, like, it's not – Fremont doesn't need Dark Star on all year round. Put Dark Star on for three months – and then put B bomb on for three months, and then put Rusty Nail on for three months, and like have the the changes, the different styles in these bourbon barrel age that you want to do to continue to play with it. Plus, you just you just can't afford to make huge batches of this. Only Goose Island can in Bourbon County, and you know we all know about them. Yeah, that's easy. I just maybe I actually never been to Fremont before. Maybe I should go if they're going to be bourbon barrel aged stout Kings over here. <laughs> yeah. Fremont's awesome. I have not been there before. IPAs and bourbon barrel aged beer. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Uh, anything, anything else I didn't mention that you wanted to bring up about this? I had on my notes, uh, aging, which we talked a little bit about in terms of the consumer aging the beer themselves. Is there anything else you wanted to mention? Uh, I think that's kind of it. Um, yeah, check out these guys. I mean, this, the 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 Dark Stars just kind of hit the market, so you'll be able to find them really kind of at your uh, favorite bottle shops. You know, there's Spice Wars, there's Coffee Edition, and then there's just the regular. I have a 2017 regular at home uh, that I might have to buy a 2018 regular just to keep that bad boy going, too. You're going to do a couple of, uh, what did you call them? Five, verticals. Five, five-year verticals. Five-year verticals. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> Which is funny because this isn't even really my style. I know. I, I think I'm anytime all... I bring this style up, you're like, oh god. I know. I don't even know. To be honest, I don't even know if I like Dark Star. I just like the Dead, and so I'm like, yeah, I'll collect Dark Stars. You like Dark Star? Yeah, it is good. It's good. I dig it. It's... You want to talk about this beer at all? We can if you like. like. What you tasting? Yeah, why not? We're here. I uh, I didn't consider it because I was like, oh, beer of the week's coming up and it's different. But no, let's talk about this a little bit. So yeah, I uh, I was talking about it a little bit in the beginning. 
the spices when you because I, I hadn't read the label the mm-hmm. spices are exactly what made the beer more complex and changed the flavor to me because on, on the nose immediately i get a lot of chocolate mm-hmm. almost right away and a little bit of like the bourbon sweetness in it and then as you take a sip which i will after i finish talking because you can't do both and um it kind of it, it hits you with the with the early bourbon flavors and then as you're getting towards the back end it's like ooh, that's an interesting spice and it kind of kicks up it it, it, t- it reminds me of like mexican chocolate yeah it's sweet and it's sugary, and then, ooh, that's good. Ooh, piece of candy. Yeah, when I drink it, I get the cinnamon, the allspice, and the vanilla. That's what I'm getting a lot of those kind of blended together. I think the back end leaves me with a lot of allspice. But what I really love when they do these beers is people almost always add a little bit of vanilla anyway because vanilla smoothens things out. Yeah. But vanilla is so, for me as a flavor profile, vanilla is such a tricky, dangerous. It overpowers things. Yep. Because if you put too much in, it's just way overboard. And if you don't put enough in, you don't really taste it. Uh, on this, it says down to the dirty. Down and dirty. Two-row pale, roast barley, crystal 60, chocolate, and carafa two malts with flaked oats and Willamette Columbus and Cascade hops with cinnamon, nutmeg, allspice, ginger, vanilla, and clove, and yeast, and water. I think I get the allspice in the beginning and the clove mm. at the end. Oh, the clove is what leaves you? I think I get a little clove at the end. The allspice, to me, is really big in this. Yeah, it really kind of stands out. I don't taste a lot of the cinnamon. Mm-mm. I almost feel like the allspice kind of overtakes yeah. the cinnamon a little bit. I'm not getting a lot of the ginger either. Um, yeah, You're right. It's the allspice. It, it really kind of stands out. And then I get a little clove at the end. But let's not forget, like... But I, very chocolatey. I like the chocolate Definitely. Very, it. very chocolatey. Let's not forget that things like... So just because, you know, the, the allspice is what's kind of standing out to us, there is a, it is a little peppery. Like, there is a little kind of, like, hot peppery. Maybe that's when you were talking about Mexican mm-hmm. coffee or Mexican chocolate. Yeah. Um, that can be that can be probably coming from the ginger. Could so be. I'm not actually, like, tasting ginger, but that's where I'm getting that prickly. The little I mean, spice, yeah. I think these and guys by spice, doing, I mean spicy spice, not... Not fire spice. Literal spice, yeah. yeah. Um. So that could be just part of the technique of using the different spices to just what's going to accentuate here. It doesn't need to necessarily taste like vanilla, but we want it smooth. Yeah, so there it is. That is uh, Fremont Brewing. It is the Dark Star Imperial Oatmeal Stout with Spices Aged in Bourbon Barrels 2018 limited release. Also known as Spice Wars. Because beer matters, it says. Yeah, they're in Seattle. Um, Awesome brewery. Highly recommended. So there you go. That is our bourbon barrel aged stout episode. If you do not like bourbon barrel aged stouts, please give them a try. They are fascinating to drink. Obviously, obviously you can uh, expect to get a little sugared out. It's very rich. It's very intense. So don't go too big too soon. But just give them a try because they're fun and they're different. They're different from what you normally drink. And and on the flip side to me, that's why I've really enjoyed since we started this podcast going after more IPAs and Pilsners and stuff like stuff like that, because it's just different from what I normally drink and Patrick would be proud. And maybe you guys would be proud too. I have multiple times now gone out to a restaurant and had dark beer options and have chosen a light beer, a Pilsner or a Kolsch or something just because I'm like, that's good. And I like it. And I don't need to go to the same thing every single time just cause I, I know I like that. Yeah. I just smoked Hellas the other day. That was excellent. Mm. I loved life. Smoked. I- It's not that smoky. Smoked beers have been tough for me. It's not that smoky. All right, coming up next, it is time for Beer of the Week. It is yet another dark beer, but it is one that neither of us have tried. It is based off of a recommendation. 
And that's next here on Beers on Us with Mike Lynch, Patrick Harris. Beer of the Week time here on Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. And once again, I have chosen a beer that neither of us have tried before. However, this was a recommendation from last week. Uh, we were sitting. We went uh, after we went to Berlick. Eldon came along with us, and we went to the tap room for Breakside because you had a bunch of beers on tap down there. We wanted to try in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, and we stopped at Ruse, which was a big mistake. No, uh, it was a great mistake. It was a great mistake, but it was a mistake because I was. <sighs> yeah, I was in bed like an hour after I got home. I passed out. Yeah. and then had the worst <clears throat> hangover of my life on Monday. Yeah, Monday. Monday was a little rough from that Sunday, so that I, was really fun. I digress. Uh, but yeah, there were a lot of beers consumed. Anyway, we were quite already drunk at Breakside, and um, Eldon from Berlick said, if you like porters, and you've been to John's Marketplace, because he was the one who opened up the tap room at John's Marketplace, mm-hmm. he told us, go into the second to last aisle into the back left corner and find the area labeled Poland, and you will find the Black Boss Porter, and it will change the way that you look at porters as a beer. And that went, done and done. <laughs> And it was my week this week to pick beer of the week. I went to John's Marketplace. I went to the second to last hurl, went to the way back left corner where it said Poland. There were two beers. Well, why they got to be in the way back left corner? Because that's where it was. Oh, okay. I don't know. No love for Poland, I guess. (laughs) I guess not. Because you go to the second to last row and it's all like Germany, 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 and then it starts changing countries towards the end. And you randomly get Poland. It also could be alphabetical order. They got um, like Latvian beers there. They had Kenyan beers. Ooh, there's a lot of beer. If you if you've not been into John's Marketplace recently, uh, a lot of beers, and they label it well, so you know, like, oh, I'd like to try something from Colorado. There's a whole shelf of Colorado beers. Cool, it's baby. It's cool. It's fun. Um, so I went and found this, the Black Boss Baltic Porter, and I don't know very much about it. It looks like the brewery is Browar Witnicka SA. Uh. And yeah, product of Poland since 1848. Black Boss Porter, original Baltic Porter, brewed and bottled by Browar Witnika SA since 1848. Oh, great! It's only 9.4 percent. <laughs> awesome! That's better than the Fremont beer we've been drinking. That was like uh, I don't even know if it says on here. Well, it's supposed to. 13.6. All right, cool. Nice. Uh, Don't got, worry about what time it is, people. You're hearing this whenever you're hearing it. We're fine. I got a lot of session IPAs on the mind for the rest of the day. <laughs> so what do you think? You said you were looking for this this week, too, after Eldon mentioned it? Well, yeah. Well, no, I had forgotten that Eldon mentioned it. <clears throat> but when we were thinking about doing styles and you were saying something malty, I was trying to think. I was talking with my buddy Todd, and I was like, hey, what, I, need, I, need, I need a suggestion on what we should do. And he was like, oh, well, you could do, because I didn't want to do German, as I've said, I think, for the third time now. Uh, he was like, oh, you should get some Black Boss. It's a porter from from Poland, and it'd be right up Mike's alley. And I was like, oh, do you guys have any here? And he was like, no, but you could probably go here, here, here. And then we started talking about Dark Star, and I was like, all right, we'll just do Dark Star. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad you grabbed this. Um, I think it, I think it pairs quote-unquote well with kind of the theme of today's podcast well and that's you... not always what we try to do we right. try to switch it up just to make it a little different so it's right. different for everybody but we'll find these beers are very different i also didn't know we were doing bourbon barrel aged stouts so oh, yeah, I, I picked didn't. this with the idea of... i didn't either until 12 11 last night <laughs> this morning i guess technically <laughs> big boy yeah um but yeah so this is a, it's actually kind of a cool bottle it's just it, it, it looks like a classic 
this is going to sound strange, but like a Caribbean style <laughs> where the big letters and it's just simple and there's not a lot going on, but you know that there's beer in there. Yes. And that uh, there's a lot of beer in here. There is. It's almost filled at the top. Uh, it's, it is a 500 milliliter, which is, you know, probably the best route to go. Those Europeans and their dang metric system. How dare they use something everyone else in the world uses but us? Hey, I don't know anything about the metric system, so I will yell at them about it anyway. You don't know anything about the metric system? It's like even numbers. It like makes things like, I don't know, math. I don't know anything about our system either, so let's, not, let's not pretend. No. Uh, so you got the bottle opener. Let's pop oh, it. Oh, yeah, baby. yeah. I guess we'll do this. We got we to gotta drink the beer. <laughs> I suppose, but I don't want to. I'm scared. <laughs> there you go. For you. Thank you. Um, I'm very excited about this because he, Eldon said this will change the way you look at porters and I've had Baltic porters before, but funny enough, I've never had a Baltic porter from the Baltic region. <laughs> so is it going to be Silly. different? Is it going to be different? Well, no, I mean, how many Baltic well, porters they made it. have you had from America? America. Uh, I've had a few. I've had some barrel aged Baltic porters. Um, yeah, I get Baltic porters from time to time, but yeah, I mean, I just don't drink a lot of imports. To be honest, um, well, this is pitch black. Pitch black. Um, like I'm looking, putting it up to a light. I cannot see the light through it. So we are pitch black. But this is fun. I'm excited to drink a Baltic porter from the Baltic region. You know, it's like drinking a West Coast IPA from New York doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, but I guess they can still make it. Smelling it right off the top, very, very sweet smelling. Yeah. And sometimes, it, it, sometimes with porters, you get kind of the same roasty, chocolatey notes. Mm-hmm. But this one just smells kind of sweet. Has a good head to it. Well, I'm really I'm I'm excited. I haven't tasted it yet, but what what I do like about kind of porters in general is porters kind of like toe this line between an ale and a lager. You know, I think that's why a lot of people like porters a little more than stouts because the bodies can be a little less, um, kind of steering more towards lager. I do believe they are an ale yeast, though. This is excuse my ignorance if they're not. This is very very unique. Yeah, and Eldon was right. I have never tasted a porter like this before. It goes, and this is going to sound strange. Ooh, Patrick just popped up with excitement. It sounds strange, but it's not a flavor profile thing. It's almost as if the the beer switches styles mid-sip. It kind of starts off light and sweet and then gets dark and chocolatey at the end. And it kind of, it's almost like you start off drinking like an easy drinking session beer and then it's like, Pow! Bam! Baltic Porter at the end. Yeah, it's it's extremely drinkable. Um, that's kind of why I popped up is because I think maybe going from, you know, the barrel aged stout to this porter is is a little more drastic than one than a common thought might be. <clears throat> it is but, quite uh, drastic, yeah. But uh, but it has the back end of the taste does remind me a little bit of the bourbon barrel aged stout. There's like a tiny bit of a a sweetness as if it was in a barrel. At the very end, even though it wasn't. Yeah, there's uh, this is this beer is scary drinkable for nine point six. You know what I mean? Scary. It, yeah, yeah. Excitingly because, drinkable <laughs> because because you can because you can take big sips of this. You know, like when when beers reach this level for me, I'm a sippy sip kind of guy. But this, I just I just threw a whole mouthful in and went for it, baby. <laughs> And you're about to do it again. Yeah, I'm about to do it again. Don't stop. Don't stop. Um, I'm having a really hard time discerning the flavors because they're so different. And 
because a couple of weeks ago we had Blackview Porter again as part of the OG Beer podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And two I, weeks ago, two weeks ago, yeah. We and I, I understand the the flavors in that beer because I've had that beer a hundred times before or more. This one, it I've never had a porter so sweet, but also roasty, but also sessionable, but dark and chocolatey. And it's kind of confusing my brain to try to figure out where the flavors are because the 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 flavor that's sticking to me on the back end of my palate is sweet. Yeah. And I don't know if I've ever had a porter that's done that to me before. Are you looking it up right now? Yeah, I'm kind seeing, of looking at some stuff. Seeing what they what people are saying about yeah, it. Yeah, it does say suggested glassware is a pint glass. That's wild to me because it's so big. But hey, I'm cool with that. It's a 9.9, you said? 9.6. That's Where the... Where you go? This is... Well, hey, if anybody out there has had it and you know the flavors that, you, that you've that you tasted in it, feel free to let us know on social media. Uh, at MikeLynch27 on Twitter and Patrick's at PZD085 on Instagram. But I'm just... I'm having a tough time with my palate on this one. And maybe I'm, I'm leaning on you because you have a more experienced palate than me. But... It, I just keep coming back to kind of caramely mm-hmm. or toffee Is that a word? toffee Yeah. It kind of had a little Notes toffee. Notes of toffee. Notes of toffee. I'm kind of getting that now if I'm really trying to focus on the flavors. Caramel toffee at the end. Sweet smelling beginning. Easy drinking beginning where you just kind of get a little bit of a roasty drink, I suppose, into caramely and notes of toffee. I think the biggest thing that stands out to me in this beer is the body. Um, I find the body really light, but but rich. I don't know if that makes sense. So it's like full flavored, um, but it... It goes down easy. It goes down easy, yeah. I think... Oh, how am I... That's a good way to put it, because I just took another sip. You're right. I'm trying. I'm kind of struggling with how I feel. It is rich, but we talked about it. It's, it's dangerously drinkable. Mm-hmm. So it's light and it's easy. And you take the first sip and you're like, oh, cool. It's not It's not like the bourbon barrel aged stouts where you're like, ooh, look at all this flavor. It's punching me in the face. It's like, hey, this is drinkable. And then at the end of the sip, you're like, wow, there's the flavor. There it is. Yeah, I think I like this beer. You think you like it? I think I like this beer. I'm scared of this beer, but I think I like this beer. What flavors are you getting then? Give me some flavors on your yeah, palate. Yeah, well, I, okay, so I get I get the roastiness for sure. Um, I'm getting a little caramel flavor to it. That's probably where I'm getting the sweetness from. Definitely malt driven. Um, not very hoppy by any means. I'm getting no like spice from hops or anything like that. It's kind of syrupy. Yeah, it's a little syrupy, but then again, but that's kind of what's so interesting about this beer is that there's a syrupy flavor to it, but it doesn't like bleed into the body. No. Because I think a lot of times, you know, the syrupy flavor is a testament to the body being full. And this, this isn't, this is nice. Is this the first time we've been floored in a way that we can't fully explain what we're drinking? Yeah, kind of. I it's don't tough. Really... It's tough. It could, it could be because of the dark star that we had before this. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is good. I love the lacing on it. I mean, the lacing is thick and frothy. Um, that's always kind of nice when you have these darker beers, like when the head can, can be a little thicker, a little richer. So that's nice. 
Well, hey, if you want to go out there and try it and help us out with some of the stuff that you're tasting, feel free. Hit us up on social media, and uh, we'd appreciate it because I, I like this beer a lot. Mm-hmm. And Eldon was right. This is changing how I view porters. Like I said, this is wildly different from other porters that I've had. But I'm having a tough time nailing the flavor down, which is probably part of the fun of it. Yeah. Is it's, well, let's try it again. Let's try it now. Is it going to be different? Is it going to be different? Yeah. So you can, I, I know for sure you can find this at John's Marketplace in Multnomah Village. I'm sure you can find that at some other bottle shops elsewhere in the city. But it is Black Boss Porter by, if I can butcher the name again, Browar with Nika S.A. I think, I think I'll, I'll finish with this. I think what I like about, and wh- I think one thing that's really important to know when you're tasting beers and trying beers and experimenting on beers is to know that it's okay if you can't describe it. You know, if you can't figure out what's going on, because at the end of the day, there's only two kinds of beer, good beer and bad beer. If you like it, you like it. Sometimes you don't have to explain why you like it. Right, but I feel like I do because we have a microphone in front of us and a podcast. (laughs) That's why I'm not an expert. I Uh, just drink too much. uh, He's an expert. Don't worry about it. That's going to do it for us today on episode 16. Hopefully you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, subscribe, rate, review at all the various sources you can find us iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio.com, 1080thefan.com, and then let us know on social media again. That's at 1080, or, well, yeah, at 1080 fan on Twitter is where we post it, as well as my personal Twitter, at Mike Lynch 27 Patrick's at Instagram.com uh, slash PDD085, where he posts the podcast there with some pictures, usually. So that's where you can find us on social media. And uh, coming up next week, we're not 100% sure yet, but before next week, keep an eye out for a bonus episode. Ooh. Holla. You, you guys want a bonus episode? Episode 16 and a half? Pick me, pick me. Released also on Thursday? Pick me, pick but me. But just slightly later in the day? <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Bonus episode. Everybody said yes. Let's do it. Keep, keep an ear out for that. That's coming up in a couple of hours after this is released as well. Uh, next week, we'll see you then Thursday at 4. Thanks so much for listening. Deuces. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.